Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast more cold and boring than baseball in January. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hi, everyone. I'm feeling warm and nice and friendly today, Nathan, so I resent your statement. Hey, we actually set a new all-time high uh, for te- temperature here in St. Louis yesterday, yeah? so yeah. So we, we got like four that. inches of snow yesterday. So <laughs> nice. Cool. Um, wow. Weather talk. Everyone's favorite thing <laughs> to open up a, uh, a podcast. Well, yeah. uh, on today's episode, we return to actual baseball to some degree. And we'll be talking about everyone's favorite Lars Newbar. We're going to touch on the Cardinal broadcaster situation. And we're going to check in with news and notes from around the rest of the league. If you have an idea for the opening bit tweet us at talk about birds well gorilla we're back here with another <laughs> episode um uh, we made it through the new years welcome to 2023 now you famously known for hating all holidays but new year's eve <laughs> is that's it's that's it's it's a little different right how you feel about new year's eve you gotta feel different about new year's eve and new year's day New Year's Eve and New Year's Day are fine and dandy. I would also like to note that I'm a, I'm a big Halloween celebrator. Um, I like fireworks on Fourth of July. I don't hate them all. There's just it's just this. I don't know. That, anyways, I had a great New Year's. Uh, Mary and I have a lovely tradition where we go to this like it's one of those restaurants that you go to once a year and you still are like you get the check and you're like what oh my god you know this this yeah. was a stupid amount of money but we twenty dollars uh, twenty dollars um, jack of the box yeah, you, is getting you, expensive these days you, you get the you get the check and uh <laughs> you get to say what is this a phone number and hey. uh, everyone likes that uh yeah but yeah, we, we do this thing where it's like we get a late reservation. It's coursed out. Champagne comes at midnight. It's it's all lovely. Um, and I get to spend time with my beautiful wife. And, you know, that's that's I, I could do. I mean, holidays be damned. I could do that all the time. So it was great. I, I'm pro New Year. Um, I guess I am now. Like if I have to like think about it for more than a second, like I am kind of a grouch about the like turning of the page aspect of it because i i kind of think like if you want to make a change just go make the change it doesn't need to be on some arbitrary date but that's just me digging the well for being a curmudgeon around a day that everyone likes yeah i used to be the same i used to think like new year's resolutions are dumb and like you can if like you said like if if you want to uh make a change maybe some arbitrary endpoint is not a real way to make fundamental change in your life. That said, uh, a lot of people really benefit from those sorts of things. And That's so true. trying, yeah. trying to not, um, yuck other people's yum or, or really cast down on someone who's trying to actually make a change in their life by calling their goals, <laughs> uh, arbitrary and dumb. So I've tried to be better about that. Um, cause I have felt the same way. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I could probably lead with empathy a little bit more on this, but uh, no, no, it's not. The goals are not arbitrary and dumb. The date is arbitrary and dumb. Yeah. Um, but if you need that kick in the pants to to uh, eat more cheeseburgers in 2023 or, uh, I don't know, play more video games, then do it. I encourage you to make those changes. It's good to hear you making real life changing goals, though, like that. Eat more cheeseburgers, play more video well, games. What What I want to do is rather than sometimes getting a single cheeseburger is I want to go double every time and, you know, maybe even go triple if I'm, if I'm going in and out or something like that, go for the triple stack. I need to grab life by the horns. You know, I don't want to, you know, wake up in 50 years and say, I should have eaten more cheeseburgers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wake up in 50 years and think, man, I could have only made it 45 years more if I'd eaten more. (laughs) Why am I still here? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Hashtag squad goals. Uh, <laughs> we um we rang in the Ugh. new year with a, a thing that we we don't do oh, every yeah. How year. was your new year, Nate? How was yours? I, I was going to you don't need to ask me. I'm going to yeah. it anyway. Okay. Um we've started we've we've done something that we've done several years. I we don't do it every year, but it is one of my favorite things. We watched a Bollywood film called Happy New Year that started from like six or seven years ago uh we were having people over for new year's this is a small get together and we started talking like there are no good new year's movies you know like there's a lot of holidays have a ton of movies yeah. attached to them and you would think for such a celebratory holiday that it doesn't really have like a movie culture around it and so at least we couldn't think of any at the moment i'm sure with some research and some more thought, or maybe even just in the time that has gone past, there's more of them, but the time we couldn't think of any. So we, we opened up Netflix and we just typed in happy new year or new year or something like that. And a three hour Bollywood film, uh, came up called happy new year. And we decided we'll just put it on. We'll see. And it has led to, um, now like over five years of fandom of Bollywood all started from this movie. That is absurd. I love it. Um, it is about a group of people who in order to get back at someone who framed their father, uh, they decide to rob this person of their priceless diamonds. But in order to do that, they have to enter into a dance competition. Uh, and sure. it's, yeah, it's great. It, it's a heist movie mixed with like a, a weird comedy sports film. Um, I should say, I think probably objectively it's pretty bad, but it's a, it is a really fun movie that I, I highly recommend. And if you're not, if you've not really watched much Bollywood stuff, I, I definitely recommend it. There's a, like a joy and, um, ridiculousness to Bollywood films that you don't really get in anything uh, that is like made in the West. Uh, So definitely recommend it. And we watched it and it was a lot of fun. Um, Molly set up a scene. There's a particularly dramatic scene that she like prescribed, figured out exactly at midnight when this thing would like happen, you know, so it happened right at midnight and she nailed it and it was really dumb and awesome. So (laughs) Um, yeah, right. it was fun. It was a pretty chill New Year's Eve. 
sure. you know, got to participate in my favorite of St. Louis traditions, which is hearing uh, people just firing weapons into the sky for like an hour straight, which is uh, not actually funny and not really a joke. People should not do that. But um, it it happens in, around, in and around us, which is frustrating. In, inability to understand gravity on the most basic level is insane to me. Also, like... We, I don't, yeah, we don't, I, we probably shouldn't soapbox this, but like <laughs> you're probably hammered, um, at the least yeah. inebriated and you're in a highly densely populated area. So yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I also feel so bad for the puppies and kitties who are too stupid to understand yeah. what's going on. Um, yeah, wow. I hate that big insult to puppies and kitties too. Um, <laughs> I think mine know exactly what's going on. Thank you very sure. much. Smart. But uh, yeah, so um, we are going to try to actually talk about a little bit more baseball this week. We had a, a ton of fun talking about Battlefield Baseball last week. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, if not, well, um, I guess, sorry, but we're probably going to do it every year. That movie is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you sh- If you haven't, if you missed the episode... Um, or only listen to part of it, like definitely go and watch the movie and then hopefully listen to us talk about it because it was a ton of fun. Um, but we're going to try to do some more standard programming this week. We've got a few things to talk about. Um, I, I know, Ben, you, you caught on to it, too. There's been a lot of a lot of newt bar talk this offseason. So um, how do you want to how do you want to go about this? Yeah, I kind of have two things that I want to talk about with Lars Newbar. And the first is just I was I was thinking about this over the last week. And I don't know if I've ever seen a player have more like he uh, I don't know how to explain this. Like he, he, he was definitely getting a little bit of attention towards the end of last year. Like he did some hits on MLB TV and. Was just I don't know I, I feel like he was just kind of around a little bit more last year um, than maybe you would expect him to, and then as this off season has gone on, it's like the mythos and, and the production of Lars Newbar. He's like gaining popularity and perceived value while not playing baseball at all, and people are just kind of looking into what he did and kind of where he came from. By which I mean like out of nowhere. Um, so that was my first kind of thought. It just how crazy it is. Or can you even remember a player who's had this productive of an off season? Well, I mean, he's, we're not even watching him play. He's just, we're just like looking at his baseball savant page, looking at his fan graphs page, looking at his projections. And everyone's like, Oh, Hey, the Cardinals might really have something here. Yeah. So I, I think, no, I can't think of a time that this has happened as much with a Cardinal player. Um, I think so as someone who plays a lot of dynasty fantasy baseball, this is actually kind of frequent where the last two months or so of baseball, it's so chaotic as far as what everyone's looking at is the standings and like the the MVP race and the really that the high end of the sport is really what's on like sure. showcase in the last couple months of baseball. And then once all the dust settles, you have people going around and starting to investigate, like what were the other people doing in the last couple months? What are those pop-up players who came up maybe in mid season or even in September 
and we're doing something that no one really noticed. And for fantasy baseball purposes, it's like, what are your buy low? What are your, uh, you know, upcoming stars um, opportunities sure. f- for 2023 that like maybe went under the radar in 2022? And then everyone talks about them. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know, hot numbers in fantasy baseball the next year because of all the articles, which is exactly what I think is happening to yeah. Lars Newbar right now. We just haven't seen it happen to a Cardinal player. Uh, I I can't really remember the last time. And you're right. Like Lars is all over the place right now. A lot because of driveline, which we're going to talk about. Like anybody who goes through them, people talk about. Yeah. Um, But really, we've been all the stuff that we've been talking about, Newbar, really all off season and into the and really as the season was coming to an end, which is those fantastic stat cast numbers and, and, and the baseball savant profile. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I think probably everyone listening knows this, but like, just to, I think it bears repeating, like the idea of like the thing that gets everyone so excited about the stat cast numbers is because they're they're They are what they are, right? Like you can't fake exit velocity. You can't fake the things that are listed on those numbers. Those are just, those are true talent indicators, which gets everyone excited. Like results be damned. Um, you, you can say, you know, absolutely that he is hitting the hell out of the ball and, and has a good arm and, and these kinds of things. So I I think that's like, it's reasonable, right? It's not, it's not, um, there's something to it, I guess is what I mean to say. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, Um, um, it's what we all sort of, I think the, the current game is modeled around is, is recognizing and understanding these underlying stats and not necessarily letting um, a small sample size in either direction, yeah. uh, you know, overly influence your decision-making. Now, I think as I think what happens sometimes though, is that um, it does sort of flatten the numbers and make you think that like Lars Newbar was always hitting the ball at this yeah. average velocity when that's not really the case. Um, if we really remember the season that Newbar had, it's more like for one month he was absolutely hitting the shit out of the ball, whereas EV was through the roof and he was hitting the ball as hard as guys like Judge and Stanton. And then there was another month where he was hitting the ball, you know, like I don't know. Yadier Molina and it has averaged out to a a good um, to a really good EV but like it does make me wonder what is the actual um, you know is is Newt going to be this high high boom high bust guy who carries the offense sometimes like he did in for a month or is he going to is he going to level out I don't know yeah, and I think what it always comes down to is the fact that he proved that he did he can do it. It is in there, um, which is yeah. that's that's what everyone gets so excited about. Um, yeah, the consistency is obviously like that's why Albert Pujols is Albert Pujols, and other players are other players who aren't worth mentioning. But uh, so you, you kind of mentioned it. Dr- the drive line thing was was really interesting, and this has kind of come back up in the news. Um, because he is now back at driveline. He was uh, driveline put a, a video of him at their facility on January 2nd. Um, and I kind of wanted to slow down and, and talk about this whole little experiment with Lars Newbar 
And I, I guess also I'll add, if you're not familiar with driveline, um, all you really need to know is it's kind of like a very specific high-tech baseball academy that is fully independent of Major League Baseball. Uh, college players go there. Pros go there. I mean, really, you could go there if you wanted to. I, I, you just got to pay the money. Um, but when they have Major League Baseball players in, I imagine it's pro bono or at the very least, they're like, we just want to show. Um, we want to advertise as much as possible that we have pro players in here. So, um, I'll link to this article. It's an article from driveline. Actually, I'll link to it on the Twitter when this show comes out. So I, I highly recommend that you read it. Um, pretty interesting, very nerdy in the weeds. So I'm going to try to like summate it as much as possible. Um, but really what it talks about is that in April, uh, or no, sorry, it was in the middle of the summer during the all-star break, uh, Lars, was not happy with how his season was going. And rather than like drinking margaritas, he went to driveline and they found that his bat speed was in between 66 and 69 miles per hour. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Um, (laughs) Margaritas is usually how I go about solving my problem. So maybe I could learn a lesson or two here from Newt Bar. I don't think you should look into it that deeply. I think you're, that's you're a good doing point. Just fine. I take it back. Yeah, you're, Never mind. Um, how can you perfect upon whatever you are presenting as? Tequila. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> 66 to 69 miles per hour on the bat speed. Nate really like that one. Uh, um, is below average. Okay. Yeah. Are, are we in a, okay, cool. Yes. So what is interesting is that one mile per hour of bat speed equals 1.2 miles per hour of exit velocity. Um, And that totals to about seven feet of distance. So every mile per hour of swing velocity you add, you add seven feet to how far your ball is going. In the first trip that Lars took to driveline, he added eight miles per hour of bat speed, which with a little (laughs) arithmetic, uh, that's carry about the, 50, carry the zero. <laughs> it's about 56 feet of extra distance, which I think, you know, when, when you're, uh, what, what's the porch, uh, the, the left field porch in Bush is somewhere around three forty ish. Yeah. Um, so you're going from 347, 346, something like that. Yeah. You're going from hitting a ball from the middle of the outfield, like basically right where the outfielder is standing to over the wall, if not well over the wall. So that's like, that's huge, right? That that's a that's right. like a real measurable game changing thing. Now, obviously, he still has to hit the ball, like he still has to square it up. You can't just go up there and swing your face off. Um, but I think there were times when he proved that he was able to do that, right? Like like you were just talking about, like it wasn't all there all year, but we saw flashes yeah. of it. That's the the problem with bat speed, of course comes the the higher propensity for swing and miss you're swinging right. harder little less control um you know bat speed is not the end all be all key to success we saw that i i think about um was it four or five years ago the cardinals like seemed to prioritize bat speed in the draft yeah. and like none of those guys uh made it to the majors like was nick Plummer? i know he is now yeah. with uh the nationals and maybe there's some, some like yeah. post, post, post hype with him. But you know, some of these guys that are all bat speed, it's not a direct path to success, but it it is obviously if you compare it with other things, 
good eye, good control, you know, understanding of the strike zone, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, it's, it can, it can be a significant improvement. Yeah. That map yeah. alone, adding 50 feet to your average, you know, that's huge, which is insane. I know like just the, the and, and it makes sense of why you would go like, I think when you hear, oh, he increases bat speed by eight miles per hour or whatever, you're like, oh, OK, cool. But then you think about that. And over the terms of a season, that could make you a, a 20 home run guy to a 35 home run guy or, or a 40 home run guy. Who, who knows? You know, it's all about the other things, too. Um, and if you're curi- curious, like how he just found eight miles per hour in his in his bat speed. It, it is well documented in that article that, I, again, I said I'll link to. But essentially what he was he was kind of just going up there like a brute and like like I'm, I'm trying to demonstrate it on video, but uh, on the podcast, I guess <laughs> <laughs> kind of just like brooding his way through the swing. And what they did is they you know, he's a young, very strong person. So they usually like elasticity of his core and kind of like uh, you there's this idea in sports called separation. Um, I don't know why I'm explaining this. It's, it's a golf thing. It's a baseball thing, but essentially you're separating your shoulders from your core and you can use the elasticity of your muscles to produce more exit velocity. Long story short, he tapped into that, found more for exit velo. Um, and why this is kind of, uh, you know, it's, we talked about this already, but January 2nd, he was in driveline and I presume he's still there. Um, and driveline posted a video of him. He has already added a couple more miles per hour, uh, to his swing, which puts him at about 10 miles. And he set a personal record for e- personal record for exit velocity at driveline a couple of days ago. The videos on Twitter, I'm sure it's, it's been shared around like crazy. Um, so now we're looking at, I, I don't know what's, uh, 56. We're looking at in the mid sixties of extra potential distance if everything goes the way it's supposed to go. And I I guess like the reason I wanted to bring this up is like all this hype is happening. Um, Lars is having a great off season. He's getting better. Um, I I don't know. I think, uh, I think we have a lot to be excited about Lars Newbar next year. And I would not be surprised if he is one of the main drivers of the offense going into 23. Yeah. And uh Again, we did see flashes of it last year. Remember, it was like right before the Pujols explosion really started to click in. Um, for a while, the story of the Cardinals offense was, as always, Goldie and Arenado, as it was basically the whole season. But for a little while, it was Newt Bar, Goldie, and Arenado were the were the real stories of the offseason. Um, and then Newt Bar started to taper off near the back hat or the through September, just like Goldie did. Whereas um, Arenado and Pujols kept crushing or, or really picked yeah. it up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of see this as, um, you know, we uh, he's probably going into the season as the starting right fielder. I know there's a lot of yeah. talk about Walker and Walker breaking camp with the team, which is incredibly exciting. And I think we are all for it. But I think even if he does he's probably not breaking as like a starting outfielder. I would assume he's breaking as a platoon DH and spot starter in the outfield with new yeah. bar, assuming the starting role, assuming performance. Yeah. And I think uh, there, all this good stuff is good. Right. Um, but I good think it is good, but it's probably bad news for somebody like Dylan Carlson. Um, like this to me, 
or I guess what I'm trying to say is the scenario in which we see like Jordan Walker or Tyler O'Neill in center field and Walker and Newbar manning the corners and Dylan Carlson being more of a bench guy. Like th- this is kind of the pathway that I'm seeing, assuming what we just said is, is all true. And the Cardinals have some good luck and Walker is able to hit at an extremely young age in the, in major league baseball, right. um, which is, as we've discussed like a thousand times, highly unlikely, right? Like yeah, for these kids to come up and hit the way that some of them do is more of a miracle than anything else. Um, right. But it doesn't seem that far fetched where we're sitting right now in the cold, uh, cold winter months looking <laughs> over numbers of the past. Yeah. I, I guess I, I, I see your point. I am still very hopeful on Carlson. I still see him as the starting center fielder, um, but obviously the, the path, to greatly reduced playing time for him is is pretty clear but it's going to come yeah. on the, on the back of other people performing well and basically out hitting him i don't think he loses the job without um him also not hitting well and also someone else pushing themselves into the lineup above and beyond yeah. him um because i think all of us like him as the defensive center fielder above everyone else. I mean, I know yeah. O'Neal, it plays a good center field. Um, apparently suddenly, of course, Jordan Walker might be an option, at the <laughs> field, which is, you know, wild. That's just throwing think, youth at the problem right there, which works. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is cool. You know, it's, I'm, I love the versatility, but I think I'd rather take, uh, Carlson there, O'Neal in left. And then, whoever's hitting the best is in right field, which is yeah, probably new bar, but there's going to be injuries. Something's yeah. going to happen. Um, you know, it, it works its way out. It's, uh, works itself out one way or another. Um, there's obviously yeah. the Burleson side of it too, which, you know, we, he's getting a little bit of hype as well for, there's a much smaller sample size, but, um, same sort of thing as new bar is that like, don't look too much at the at the results. Look at the underlying numbers. Look especially at Burleson's last 50 at-bats or so, which is, of course, an incredibly small sample size. But that's all we have, and he's a very young player. Yep. So um, there's there's some good stuff underlying there as well. Um, yep. I think between, uh, you know, this is the offseason. This is when we as fans are the most optimistic. Um, but I think, uh, especially considering the addition of Wilson Contreras, like, the Cardinals are set up to have uh, possibly, a, once again, one of the best offenses in baseball. Um, definitely well, in the NL, top four, I think, in NL, like pretty easily, uh, you know, assuming health, but then across all of baseball, if some of these things really click. Yeah, I think, and we've talked about this as well, but Arenado and Goldschmidt are going to regress to some degree. And right. that production, that added production should come from the outfield. It, it kind of has to based on the weird yeah. wonky year that was last year in the outfield production. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I think you'd put the button on new bar. Um, I, I also want to point out he has a 13.6 uh, walk rate um, in his major league time over 166 games. So Great. like he might become this walks a lot, hits some bombs great outfielder type player that is super duper valuable, like a little 
three true outcomes, but that's okay. Um, yeah. cause that adds a ton of value and, and we like his glove. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. And I think really, really important year for Dylan Carlson. Um, like the Cardinals give their guys a long leash, especially when they're their guys, you know, and I think Dylan Carlson has that their guys, a uh, little tag on them, kind of like Paul DeYoung. I'm not comparing the players any more than they are just kind of like uh, organizational favorites, um, or at least it appears that they are from the outside. Um, but yeah, I think it's an important year for him. And I, uh, I would love there, there is a world where Carlson is a 2020 gold glove center fielder and we're all, you know, jumping for joy yeah. and that's a ton of fun. And then we have to decide which matchups and, and mashers we want to be playing in the outfield at any given time, which is also, um, a, a great place to be. Uh, but yeah, we'll see, you know, the Burleson thing. I, I, I love Burleson. I'm very excited for him. He, of all of the guys that I want to see, I don't see where his at bats are going to be coming from next year. Um, assume, I mean, like you said, the, the health will kind of help figure everything out. Um, but in lieu of that, it is kind of hard to see, like, I guess I'll be getting some starts at first. It's, it's hard to see him getting starts at DH, but I'm sure that will happen. And then obviously the outfield corners, but weird path for him for sure. Part of it will depend on how Gorman does. I think too, for that DH spot. Um, and if, I don't know. I mean, he started getting at bats last year and yep. there's not a fundamental change to the offense other than Contreras, obviously. And um, that has no impact on this. Uh, and there's no Corey Dickerson, um, which is truly a tragedy. If you ask <laughs> me. Um, so like a similar path, an injury or two and ineffectiveness, you know, part of it was Newt was slowing down a little bit. And yep. so Burleson was getting starts, you know? Um, yeah. Don't forget yeah. that Corey Dickerson played 97 games for the Cardinals last year. Like they're always at bats. It just, I will never I, forget <laughs> sitting Hashtag here on, never forget on Jan five thinking about it. It's like, well, how is that going to fit in? But no, it always does. Yeah. We figure it out. I still think there's some, um, Mazalak machinations going on in the back end. I'm I'm Man. expecting one trade. I'm expecting one trade this offseason at this point. Like I think I still think there's gonna be we've got two months left. We got forty four days from today yeah. until pitchers and catchers report. Thank I'm God. expecting one extension. Now who? I don't know. But I'm thinking one extension. And one trade is what happens in the next uh, in the next month and a half. Okay, I'll make a bold prediction right here, Nate. Put yeah. it in uh, stone. Um, okay, I mean, hold man, on. I was hoping I was going to say hold something on. cooler. All right, I've got my chisel <laughs> and my and my yeah. block of. Um, it's a soft stone. Uh, we'll <laughs> say it's a sandstone. Okay, Tommy okay. Edmond gets extended before spring training. Okay. No trades. 45 minutes to carve this. Okay. (laughs) Um, No trades. Tommy Edmund gets extended. Yeah. Okay. I I don't know. More and more, I don't think, and I think the Cardinals could use a starting pitcher. More and more, I think that they're just going to say one of the kids is going to rise. um, And maybe Jack Flaherty is one of those kids, even though he's like 28 now. 
But I think that they're going to bet on Libby, Graceffo, and Thompson or somebody else who I'm Jerpy. not picking up right. Jerpy, maybe. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very, I, I don't know. I kind of think that they're just going to let the dice roll on the kids, which I don't like that move, but it just feels that way. I think that they're in love with their prospects, which is fine. Um, and I think we're going to, I think we're going to go into the season like this. I don't know. Yeah. Well, um, history would be on your side in this case. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We've had two years in a row now of going into the season with shaky starting pitching it falling apart and being patched together in the, at uh, the trade deadline and kind of working for that one specific problem. And maybe they just like that, you know, we'll, we'll fix it in post, you know? Yeah. The, the, it's not the worst strategy because we're in a weak division, so that makes everything a lot easier, right? But yeah. I, you are just always going to pay more. Like you're going to pay a dollar fifty on the value, uh, or per dollar um, mid season than you would off season. And yeah, man, we've talked and, about Pablo Lopez a lot. It just makes so much yeah. sense for all of the reasons. But yeah, you're also besides cost, you're likely paying a month or so of good baseball. I mean, that's what happened in 2022, right? Like the Cardinals were really bad for like a month and a half because the starting pitching collapsed. And I'm not going to say they would have gotten one of the, uh, one of the buys if they had acquired, you know, if we had good starting pitching all season, because obviously the, uh, Braves and and Dodgers winning, yeah. oh, you know, over a hundred games or whatever. But like, you know, you're costing that. Like, if it happens again, you really can't have a month of bad baseball or even yeah. mediocre baseball right now to get one of those two buys. You pretty much have to be good end to end. And so, if you're if you're thinking we'll fix it in post, then you're also saying like the Cardinals are a conservative group and also trades just don't usually happen in like may and, and yeah. june so even if you'd say like i want to fix it it's probably not going to happen until july and then you very likely are out of the yeah. running for one of the one of the buy positions which is very valuable and the cardinals won 93 games last year if if they had montgomery and quintana from the jump like we're probably i mean you know everything just adding those two guys to the team for the whole year Obviously, all other things could happen, um, but you probably put them in the high 90s. And that's, you know, it's not a 101. It's not one. Uh, I guess the Mets and Atlanta both had 101 wins, but you're playing those teams and the Dodgers yeah. and the Padres and the and the Brewers with more in the tank. And those teams maybe aren't getting to the heights that they got because the Cardinals were a more effective team. Um I mean, there was that series when uh, the Cardinals went into Philly last year and just got their asses handed to them. There was one blowout. Yeah. It was a, I think it was a four-game set. Cardinals blew them out once and then just got spanked all three other games. Um, so, yeah, there are just little situations like that that it who knows what it could have done, but it definitely would have helped the team, and it definitely would have made that month and a half of baseball right in the middle less miserable. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. I want Pablo Lopez to happen. I'm just, uh, yeah, obviously I asked you to write those predictions in stone and I'm not, um, I don't think we should waste good, valuable stone on a predi- prediction. I don't really <laughs> fully believe in. 
I got a whole quarry back here. Um, <laughs> So we're good on that, but thanks for thanks for your concern on my stone supply. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> so we haven't talked about this at all, really, on this show, um, mostly because I don't think we've had a ton to add to the conversation. Um, but you know, at this point, we're I think. We want to talk about it a little bit. Obviously, one of the bigger stories over this offseason has been what has happened with Dan McLaughlin. Um, you know, I think both of us huge affection for him. Um, yeah, my you know, I, I, I fantastic broadcaster, obviously struggling, and we wish him well. Um, it's sad first on the human level, and then like four steps down, it's sad for Cardinal fans. Um, because he was a great broadcaster and he's been the voice of the Cardinals for a long time, but it, but we are now in a new reality and the Cardinals need a new broadcaster. So we thought we'd talk about that a little bit. Um, I will say like for me, I, I was kind of in the camp of like, I would have loved to see Bob Costas come for a year and, and do something like, let's get one of these guys that there's a, a handful of actually very famous broadcasters that have deep St. Louis ties and I love Bob Costas. A lot of people find him. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really like. Yeah. Yeah. I particularly it's like he's one of my favorite broadcasters, if not I, my favorite. I'm a huge fan. His depth um, of knowledge and his ability to tell stories is fantastic. I think some people are turned off by he's kind of he's a bit dry and he's got that kind of Dennis Eckersley thing in him where he's just going to say it like he sees it. And if he thinks that you guys are bad, he's going to call you bad. And if uh, the ump made a bad call, he's going to call it a bad call. Like if you look up some of his calls from the Olympics and baseball over the past, like he will just straight up dress down an athlete. If he thinks what they're doing is not up to par. And I think I enjoy that. I think you enjoy that. Like we're all yeah. seeing it. We're, we're not stupid. Like we're, the whole, this is all for entertainment. We can, we can judge. So that is true. And there's some very funny videos of out there of him, like seemingly roasting a child for being sad. (laughs) Their dad struck out or whatever. And and, and that actually is not like, that is a part of him that I think is funny and is like a fair criticism. But I think he has a really, really good depth of understanding of like the history of the game and putting things into perspective of the moment that it's happening and connecting the dots between current moments and the broader historical impact of of baseball and and sports in general. And that's the stuff that I really like. So I would have loved to have seen him like do another year with the Cardinals and use it as a stopgap. So the Cardinals don't rush to replace such a critical role with a little bit of time. Um, But him, Joe Buck, Greg Amzinger, a bunch of these guys that have connects connections or experiences with St. Louis have all turned it down and that's fair. They're all doing, you know, more national things. It would have really had to have been like a passion choice rather than like a career choice. Um, my, and made, I think that I think Joe Buck is when he gets close to like retirement age or something, I would not be surprised if he comes, if he wants yeah. to not do the national thing and does a, a couple of seasons with the Cardinals. Cause I think he would like to do that. I, I think that Cardinals fans would like that. I think, you know, for his father, all the legacy reasons and all that, I think it yeah. will happen. Um, it, it's just not right now. Well, yeah. Why do it now? Um, truthfully, why do it now? He's one of the biggest broadcasters on earth. If not like, yeah the biggest right yeah. so he he does not need a daily 
job that has him traveling as much. He can just do football once a week or, or whatever he does. Um, so anyway, all those are out. So we're looking at like either someone from within or like, um, you know, someone transferring from another, uh, another broadcast booth back to St. Louis. Um, I'm not really sure where this is going to go. I, I, I don't know, Ben, what do you, what are you hoping for? Or what are you thinking? Yeah, I, uh, I, I actually do think, uh, of all those names, I think Greg Amzinger would be a lot of fun. So I'm a, a little sad yeah. that he's not coming. I think he's great. He's got a relationship with the players that is really great. Um, you know, MLB TV can be dribble sometimes, but he's, he's one of the good spots of it. And he does yeah. radio hits on, on St. Louis radio all the time and his, his passion. And I don't know, just the way that he talks about his relationship with like Arenado and Goldschmidt and stuff like that are, are really yeah. fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, there was a, a great article, uh, by Dan Caesar in the post dispatch that I read. Uh, I'm sure most of you read that came out, I think last week or so. And it was kind of, it was kind of listing who the potential names are, who, who might make sense. And I did want to, uh, pull out Aaron Goldsmith, who I I thought was a really interesting name that was a part of it. He is from St. Louis. Um, he is, I think he's like 39 or 40. So relatively young. Um, and he's been a broadcaster for the Mariners for the past 10 seasons. And I watch a lot of Mariners games because I just watch a lot of baseball games. So that's a whole other thing, but I find him though. Yeah, they're a I watch the Paramount. Yeah, um, I watch a lot of West Coast games because I'm a late night person and I'll ju- I live in Denver, so you know those games start at eight for me. So I'll just flip them on when the Cardinals game is over or something like that. Anyways, I think that he's really good. I think that he has the booming voice. I think he is very very locked in um, to what's going on, and I think more than anything understands the moment really really well. Um, which is really, I think, all that I want. I want somebody who yeah. I can listen to, somebody who I can be excited with. I don't really need much else than that. And, and I guess what I will say is that I, what I hate in a broadcaster is, uh, and Chip Carey is the first one that comes to mind for me. He's the play-by-play for the uh, guy for the Braves. And if you watch a lot of Braves baseball, I think that he is good at celebrating the moment. But all he does every single game is talk about what's wrong with the modern game. And honestly, the Cardinals or or, Fo- or uh, Bally, whatever, I don't care who they sign as long as it's not somebody who is complaining about where modern baseball is. I just want them celebrating the Cardinals, celebrating the game that's in front of them, being there for the moment. And I do think, um, every, I mean, everyone's favorite broadcaster is Vin Scully, right? And that's because of his reference for the game. And it not only is how much he loves baseball, but his ability to call back from when the, the Dodgers were in Brooklyn <laughs> and tell you a story about Jackie Robinson. Like, I, I think that, you know, well, like the an, war um, of 1812 had just started. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, that's why he was the best. And I, I think if we can get somebody who's a fraction of that and Vin was also somebody who never, spoke ill about the modern game. He would talk about how it's changed, but not, sure. you know, they, they don't baseball right or whatever. And I, I just hate that. I honestly think anyone who's doing that on a nightly basis should be ripped out of their chair. It is. Yeah. Their boots on agree. the ground and they're like actively cutting, undercutting the game that you're watching. It drives me insane. Yeah. Chip Carey is bad at his job and he's only <laughs> there because of his dad or his, 
grandpa or whatever his relationship is, is with uh, Harry Carey. Well, we're all here because of our grandpas. What can we? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> that's that's a very good point. So I'll I'll, I'll retract yeah. that. Um, yeah, no, I, I that is a deeply frustrating thing when when um, people complain about advanced metrics, saver metrics or whatever. Um, it drives me crazy, too. Um, I, th- I think there's, you know, you can be rightfully um like critical of the overuse of some advanced metrics but like just railing against them drive me crazy and so um i i generally agree with you i think like the things that i loved about danny mac that i hope that they find someone who's even in the um range of him is is uh that ability to both call a moment and also let the moment happen yeah um you know do your do your call and then let it sit for a minute um, you know, some of the, this is the same with Vince Gully. Some of the most famous Vince Gully calls of all time. If you actually watch them, they are preceded by like often minutes of silence as yeah. you know, what's happening on the field happens. And I think that's great. And then, um, you know, personally, I really appreciate the dry sense of humor and ability to directly insult his co-workers <laughs> in the, in the broadcast booth because we have a bunch of ding dongs that are the supporting cast uh, yeah. in Jim Edmonds and Al Raboski and all these guys, you know, so hopefully someone who's comfortable enough in that, in that room to like call them out when, when Jim Edmonds yeah. talks about his text messages for the 35th <laughs> time or, you know, whatever yeah. it may be, you know, that would be the ideal, but I could recognize that probably someone who's new might take a little while before they can yeah. get to that point. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I think I don't mean to kick a man while he's down. I will say I don't love Danny Max home run calls. Um, sometimes they come off really cheesy, although I think he's there in the moment and celebrating that in a, in a way that works for me. I really, really don't like grand slamma. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> Just that specific grand slammer. I don't know why that just rubs me the wrong way. Um, so I guess I'm looking forward to not having to hear that just anymore. The one, the like really, four times a year when a grand slam is hit and he yeah, says grand slammer. I just don't like okay. it. Um, yeah, I would even prefer grand salami more, uh, <laughs> even though I think that might be worse. But uh, yeah, I was just trying to think of anything I don't like about Danny Mac. But no, I, I agree with you. Um, it, it's going to be sad. And I think uh, what is also like the, the X factor for me that Danny Mac has that very few other broadcasters have is that the guy's memory is like he can remember at bats from 20 years ago and can tell stories about yeah. them and where he was and and, and conversations that he had with Tony Lewis and Albert Pujols and all those things when he was coming up and um, I, I'm going to miss those quite a bit too, just cause kind of, you know, we've, we've talked about, he's been basically the voice of the Cardinals since you and I have been like online real people. So his memories are memories that we share and, and they're all kind of wrapped in together. And yeah, there's some sentimentality that I'm just going to miss that, um, that he yeah. brought, I think really well. Yeah. So I think we'll, you know, we'll see like, this is actually one of the changes going into 2023 that will more directly impact fans than like almost anything else that the Cardinals can do. It's a, every um, game. Yeah. Every game yeah. interaction. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's important. Yeah. 
Yeah. So um, I guess we'll end this with, you know, some more uh, love to Dan McLaughlin and his family. There's it's a lot. Addiction is a real um, is real. So hopefully. Yeah, I don't think it's out of the maybe he figures it out and he comes back at some point. Maybe it's it's a while from now. It it depends on many factors, but I hope he gets another chance. I hope he can. Yeah, they've done that. Um, That's already happened once. Right. I mean, this is the second time. um, I know it's his third time in the real world, but with the Cardinals, at least once he was let go through this or put on leave and it came back, you know, a little while later. Um, Seems unlikely if that they they would do that again. But um, I don't know. He obviously needs to. um, Find more real change, but yeah, we're we're so far from it. I don't want to make any, you know, statements about about him and his personal struggles. So um, we just hope that he gets better. Um, So, okay. Uh, we're going to, uh, we still have some stuff to talk about Cardinals and news around the league. Uh, but before we do that, if you love the sound of me stammering and, (laughs) um, and saying, uh, straight into a microphone, um, and want to support it (laughs) and, 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 and find more, uh, and, and create more. Tell them, Nate, get them, tell consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash talking about birds uh, supporters at any level um, not only contribute directly to uh, to us and the growth of the show also get access to the bird scored it is our private discord server where we're talking about baseball and other things all of the time get in there we're having a ton of fun off season might be dark and cold but uh, it's great in there we could we we'd love to have you um, that's patreon.com slash talking about birds. And, um, you also, it's helpful if you leave a nice review on whatever your favorite podcast podcast platform is. Um, if you're not following us online, I think Ben might be able to tell you where you could. Oh yes, I can. Yeah. You know, wow. also get on that Patreon. I've been, uh, become accustomed to a certain lifestyle that I don't want to, uh, pull back from. So can't keep some <laughs> New Year's um, Eve parties, tequila. <laughs> all tequila. I mean, you've got uh, stone. You know, we've got all sorts of things that you need. Is tequila your 2023 catchphrase? Is that what you're pushing forward now? I, we're getting there. It, it yeah. might be. Wow, everyone's. I could feel it. Everyone's freaking out about it. Everyone's loving it. Yeah, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Talk About Birds. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Talking About Birds. You can email us questions, thoughts, musings, ideas, uh, threats to talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. Um, also want to point out that we are on Spotify. So if you prefer to listen to us on Spotify, you can check us out there. Uh, I recommend adding us uh, episodes of our podcast to any workout playlist that you might have or a party <laughs> playlist. Just, you know, up those numbers, baby. Let's go. Yeah, we do a lot of uh, like shared collaborative playlists with our our group of friends. So if you're out there doing the same with your group of friends, go ahead and throw an episode of Tab on there. It's great, you know. After a uh, after like a Megan The Stallion song, you've got <laughs> me coming in hot with a bad joke. People love it. Uh, uh, hit that little uh, hit that uh, hit that little uh, follow <laughs> button on Spotify. So hell yeah, it yeah. All right. Um, a few more cardinal notes, Ben. What do you want to start with here? 
Yeah. So this was just something I was thinking about um, that I thought was worthy you and I chatting about in the doldrums of the offseason. The Cardinals are doing City Connect jerseys this year. I was curious if you have any thoughts or suggestions on what you would like to see. And I can give you a moment. Um, I can, I, I'd be happy to take this cause I've thought about this, uh, for you to, uh, think about it for a moment. I want to really want to see a Fleur de Lee and I really uh-huh. want to see, I think the St. Louis flag with the, the two rivers becoming one needs to be a part of it. What I really don't want to see is like a hyper modernized version of the arch kind of like on the sleeve or something and, and very little else, but I want to see them go a little bit old school. Um, I kind of wish Budweiser could be a part of it, although I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, but Budweiser, I mean, it's not really St. Louis anymore, but the history of the team and it being such a part of St. Louis, I do think would be fun. Maybe maybe the Eagle could be a part of it. I don't know. Um, but those are kind of my initial thoughts. I'll tell you, I'm very, very excited to see them, especially with like, I think the Angels uh, City Connect jerseys were awesome. The, uh, the Red Sox City Connect uh, jerseys were really, really cool. I hated the Cubs uh, City Connect jerseys. Yeah. I hated the Rockies City Connect jerseys. So I'm obviously we're going to have a lot of hot takes. I'm very curious. I want to buy. I hope that they're good enough for me to want to buy one. But I don't know. Just kind of thinking about that and excited to see them. Well, as a fellow Vexilophile, I am also hopeful that the St. Louis flag is featured predominantly we have a wonderful exilophile somebody who loves flags that's right Um, i I would like to say that i do not consider myself a (laughs) vexilophile i i don't don't put me on that i'm an okay well then as the sole vexilophile on the show I'm a vexilophiliac. Um, or wait, no. I, I'm vexilophobic. I'm vexil- get away from I'm vexil- my flag. I'm Is that it? Oh, wait. Yeah. If, if I'm afraid of them, I'm afraid of flags. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nailed it. Um. All right. So <laughs> the uh, I I kind of that was good. Thought to you. Yeah. yeah, that was good. Um, I have a similar thought to you around. Like I, I, I will bet you a billion dollars that the arch is on it somewhere. Yeah. Okay. A billion. Wow. I will bet you one billion dollars um, that the flag is on, or that the arch is on there somewhere, either feature sure. prominently or minimally. It'll be there. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I would love the the um, St. Louis does have a beautiful flag, and um, that's not just my opinion. There are like flag uh, competitions that happen. Where across the world, people will showcase. I know, yeah. Um, will showcase like the art of flags, and they'll do like tournaments and stuff. And St. Louis, the St. Louis flag is frequently very highly rated, and I think recently wow. won some like best flag in the a flag world off competition. It was a flag off, baby. <laughs> um, so it's it, it's got to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, so we have so one. It's got the it's got the red in it too. It's Cardinals already. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, and I think you could definitely see how they could incorporate the 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 two rivers coming together, sort of across um, the Cardinal logo in the front. Something like there it says Cardinals with the two. I, I don't know, like not a, yeah. not a designer here, but um, seems pretty obvious that that's the the path to go. Um, you've got great design in the city already. Just utilize that. We don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Um, but I, I, 
I that I, I think that's what it will be, and I'm pretty yeah. excited about it. We've it, talked it, about doing this offseason a City Connect ranking uh yeah. episode, so maybe we should um get working on that. Man, yeah, that Cubs one, that stupid matte blue color is so bad. I, I just hope the Cardinals do something good because I would love to rock a Fleur de Lee uh Arenado jersey or something like that. Um yeah. okay, a little more baseball y type conversation. Um Ryan Thibodeau, who is a just a, a gentleman, um, is a he's kind of like a blogger. I don't know. He's a Twitter presence, I guess, is the best way to phrase it. And mm-hmm. what he does is track Hall of Fame ballots. So if you make your ballot public, he kind of consolidates those. He puts it on this shared Google Doc that you can find via his Twitter. Again, his name is Ryan Thibodeau. If you don't know him. Um, he's the hall of fame ballot tracker guy on Twitter and does a great job. And it's like, he's basically perfected it at this point. Um, why I'm bringing him up is because I took a look at his ballot tracker, uh, earlier this week and we have only 30% of hall of fame ballots, but these, these usually are fairly predictive once we get to this number, uh, once it's not a super small sample size, Scott Rowland is currently sitting at 80.7%. Uh, to get into the Hall of Fame, which uh, obviously it's above 75, uh, so he would be in. Um, and he has already gained eight votes in the early going, uh, which is showing great growth. Um, it's by no means is a slam dunk yet, but we are trending actively towards getting another Cardinal. And I think a, you and I both agree a highly deserved Cardinal into the Hall of Fame finally after I don't even know how many years on the ballot, but very, it's very excited like for eight. that. Yeah, yeah, he's somewhere around. He, he's nearing the end of his uh, opportunity. Um, and yeah, I, I'm very excited. Should have been first ballot. Should have been a question. One of the best third basemen of all time. By like every metric, he's in the top 10. And if that's yes. not deserving of Hall of Fame, then, you know, what are we even doing here? That's not even small hall or, or you right. know, that or that, you know, like he is. He should be there. Um, and I think it's only because of the the weird log jam that has happened for the last 10 years with Bonds and Clemens and all these guys that should have also been in on the first ballot and cleared up those votes for other guys. I think Edmonds is also a, a like he might not have gotten in anyway, but he's also a uh, yeah. casualty of all of this where there was just less votes to go around to other guys and then on top of that the idiocy of so many voters just in general you know so you're already fighting these blank it, ballots you know, these yeah blank the, ballots piss me off yeah so um i i'm very excited it it certainly seems like he's got a real path now yeah. um and um yeah I, I, he's going in with a cardinal hat oh yeah i i think Gotta without be, a right? doubt Without a yeah. doubt. Yeah. Just the, the seasons that he put up, obviously he was a great Philly for a while, but I think the seasons and just like the historical significance of his Cardinal seasons, uh, make that all make sense. And I think those are the seasons that put him over the hall of fame, uh, marker. Um, also since we've started talking, uh, he is now at 80.8%. He has gained okay. 0.1 percentage points. So you even more likely, um, so yeah, that's really great. Also, uh, Todd Helton trending really well as is Gary Sheffield. So we'll see what happens there. Be an interesting hall of fame class. I think I would vote for Todd Helton, but I could be argued out of it. But anyways, yeah. got rolling. Holy crap. 
Um, also, not not only would it be great to have another Cardinal in the Hall of Fame, a deserved Cardinal, but also I'm a sucker for all the fanfare and, uh, uh, you know, all the yeah. celebrations and the the jackets and all that good stuff. So I, I hope that that happens for many reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I will. I look forward to celebrating it as well. Um, so what else do we want to talk about? I think we're now at just, uh, some of the, the broader hot stove stuff. Yeah. We, uh, we missed some of the stuff with all the battlefield baseball conversations. So we need to get (laughs) caught up on, on some of the things that happened. Um, so I guess we'll talk about Sean Murphy. Um, if you Mm -hmm. didn't see it, Sean Murphy, obviously the guy that we wanted the Cardinals to trade for has now signed a six year extension with the Braves. For $73 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. We're all real impressed, Atlanta Braves. We are. (sighs) Yeah, we are. (laughs) (laughs) It's like they are going to be one of the best teams in baseball for the foreseeable future. And it's very impressive. Um, I don't know. They like. All they have to worry about now is finding pitching um, and they they don't even like need to worry about prospects, I feel like, because they have so many <laughs> positions locked up for such a long time. Which, um, to be fair, if there's one thing that they don't have right now is that their their farm system is ranked very low. But that's yeah. also partly because they just graduated so many people. Right. Um, and that is their current big league team is their former very good prospect system. Yeah. So, um you know, most teams have that cycle where your farm system is good, but your major league team is bad and vice versa. Um, only really the Dodgers. Um, and right now the Cardinals, uh, yeah. you know, have been able and other teams for sure. But like they have one of the lowest ranked um, farm systems right now. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, you know, maybe some of these guys don't actually end up progressing like you're expecting. They could run into some problems, but odds are. This is going to be a really, really good lineup for <laughs> yeah. the next half decade, at least. One of the deals are going to look really bad. One of them, but it's still not going to be enough them. to do anything because uh, they well, are. They're all so, so team friendly that it's not really going to look that bad. Right. You know, like they didn't give anyone like $300 million. It'd be like, yeah. oh, no, Vaughn Grissom's 60 or whatever, like turned out that he was bad. It's like, OK, yeah that's fine in modern baseball. That's nothing. And also now that dude's out there generationally wealthy. So yeah. Yeah. I think Austin is probably the only one that could maybe go wrong. And he looks like a perennial MVP candidate right now. So yeah, nothing to worry about super unlikely that that's going to go wrong. He just keeps yeah. getting better. Yeah. Uh, moving on the cubbies signed drew smiley two years, 19 million somehow did not go in our free agent scraps, big money draft, uh, AKA fast booms. Um, but cubbies, they're raising the floor. They are more dangerous than they were a week ago. They are, are getting better and better and better. I think, um, they're not going to threaten the Cardinals at this point for NL central contention, but they are going to beat the Cardinals um, at, at points. Like they are going to be a thorn in the side of the Cardinals. I, th- I think is where I would place them right now. Yeah. I think these are all smart They're They are. I think it, this is all about acquiring trade pieces to uh, 
strengthen their rebuild. Yeah. Bellinger on a one-year deal. They're not thinking, oh, we're going to win the NL Central because Bellinger is going to come back. They're thinking Bellinger is going to come back and then we're going to trade him for two pieces that will uh, you know, strengthen our rebuild. Yeah. Um, same with Drew Smiley. All these little one-year deals that they're doing. I think it's all about uh, qual- uh, qualifying offers and yeah. trade packages. If Bellinger has, if he just repeats one for one his MVP season, where does that put the Cubs in the Central? 83 wins. You think so? Okay. I Yeah, I wonder if I, it would push him more than that. I mean, maybe um, if also Tyon is great and also Smiley is great and also they find a bunch Quantum's, of bullpen arms. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. they, they just don't have... They don't have enough of a support cast right now yeah. to where even if even if they do have some of these guys pop off because they I mean, don't get me wrong. They have some interesting pieces, you know, and I, and I guess there is a like 95th percentile outcome where they like all of them click and the Cubs win 90 games and yeah. also the Cardinals and Brewers collapse, you know, um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think don't anything like it. that's going to happen, but I'm, I'm they're just becoming they're becoming better and better and better. And the other teams are kind of just sitting still, um, which, which gives yeah. me anxiety. Um, well, they've got that Mervin guy for like, there's a couple prospects coming up. Morel could be good. Yeah. Um, but I, my thought with that is they, they just still don't really have the pitching. And even if Tyon and smiley are good, um, what's Stroh their show, baby. Yeah. Stroman, even even at best, he you know it's like great. Our number three is locked in. You know, right. like they need they need everything from the pitching standpoint to work out perfectly. And yeah. you know, planned and Wrigley, even if your pitching is perfect, you might give up six bombs. You yeah. know, so yeah, I don't know that they, they've got they've still got some work to do. And so that's why I think these are all good signings. And I also just appreciate a team trying to field a competitive team, even when they yeah. know they're not going to win. Like, I do think it's all to go towards their rebuild, but it's way more fun as a fan to watch. It's way more of a competitive, competitive spirit. Even if they do intend to tear it all apart in three months, like it's still just a more fun yeah. way for a team to go about a rebuild. And I'd like to see more teams do this than the, um, just the like straight tank for years. Fully agree. If you're a Cubs fan, you can, you can say, Hey, they're trying to do something here. Yeah, um, it's interesting. They, They're doing they got, something. Yeah, they've signed some interesting names. They signed their big name, which we think is probably a mistake, but we'll we'll see what happens there with uh, Dansby. It was um, yeah. Speaking of teams getting better, the Pirates keep doing this where they they I I what are the Pirates doing? They're nutting. They're they're Bob nutting. They're they're saving all their cash, but they did give the oldest player they're in nutting. baseball. <laughs> <laughs> they did give the oldest player in baseball another chance to be um, himself, I guess. I don't know. Rich Hill, a.k.a. Dick Mountain, one year, $8 million <laughs> to the Pirates. Um, I think almost guaranteed to be traded halfway through the season, which means he'll be in a playoff race somewhere. But uh, yeah, let's go Rich Hill. He might be a Cardinal in uh, six months or uh, yeah, I can't, four or five I, months. Yeah. I can't wait for Rich Hill to be. I mean, people were talking about Rich Hill last year as the Cardinals yeah. uh, deadline acquisition. Uh, good for him. Getting that check. Hell making yeah. it, you know, letting it ride. If someone's willing to pay him, why not? You yeah. know, go pitch for the Pirates. Hell yeah. 
Um, all right. Before we get into the update of our little draft game, uh, bad news for everyone. Trevor Bauer's suspension reduced to 194 games. Bauer has been reinstated in baseball. It's effective immediately. The neutral arbitrator selected by the MLB and the MLB P- uh, Players Association affirmed that Trevor Bauer violated Major League Baseball's joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child ab- abuse policy. So I think what's first... The first thing I want to say about this is that Trevor Bauer's suspension is over, um, but the arbiter um, and the MLB and MLB uh, Players Association all agree that he violated the abuse uh, or the uh, domestic violence policy that is in place. So I I think I I just want to make sure that everyone's on the same page. He did it. Um, They reduced the... Uh, original suspension because of essentially precedent setting. And I do think that this is in the long run, good news because that means that the next suspension can likely be longer than 194 games or, or whatever, you know, it's all, all circumstantial yeah. and depends on what happens. Um, So I think we're all aligned on Trevor Bauer and his status in baseball and with fans and everything like that. The real question is, does he sign with a, team in major league baseball yeah um i certainly hope not um that you know i think he should be done i think as you said like you know he's reinstated he has done the the punishment um that the the league has handed down um but i don't it sure sure seems like no one wants to play with him because even before all this seemed like he was obnoxious to play with. And so now you've got this on top. Um, I certainly hope no one does that said, if I can be, um, you know, I think unfortunately the reality is that probably a team is going to sign him. They're going to say he, he served his time. We want to win. And he's a former Cy Young player, uh, winner. And, <laughs> Yeah, and he'll probably get to pitch again. Um, and I think what'll happen is what usually happens in these situations because this is not the first is that the fan base will get really mad, and then if he does really well, the fan base will be like, "We sure hate him, but boy, it's good to have him on the mound." And then if he's yeah. shit, they'll be like, "We well, see, I told you we never should have signed him," and you know, and yeah. and they'll all wash their hands of it. Um, Jose Reyes with the Mets, you know, this, yeah. it, uh, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Aroldis uh, Chapman is a great example. Aroldis Chapman. Yeah. I, I know. I wonder the only thing that's interesting or that adds to the weird thing or, or my lack of being able to predict what's going to happen with Trevor Bauer is that he, the, how to phrase this? Like he, I don't I think it would be unreasonable to assume that Trevor Bauer is going to now all of a sudden stop being Trevor Bauer. And by that, I mean, I, I hope to God he's done doing the domestic abuse uh, that, that he's been a part of to earn the suspension. But he's still going to be the guy who he is. And by that, I mean, like an asshole online yeah. um, in general to the people like. I will never forget when he, when Terry Francona went to take him out of a game in Kansas city and he threw the ball into the outfield. Um, like for you and I, that's just pure entertainment. I, I was happy to watch that little meltdown on the field, but if you're a teammate of his, 
or if you're the manager or if you're the GM, do you really want to do like he is who he presents himself as, right? Like what organization wants to hitch their wagon to the Trevor Bauer star at this point? Irrelevant of the performance. Like I I I think you would be foolish to think that he is uh I don't know, found some sense of peace or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, because, well, him and a bunch of ding dongs out there feel that that he's been now like vindicated because the suspension was reduced, um, even though it actually affirms uh, what he did. Um, And so it's going to be like some shitty vengeance tour. You know, it's it's going to be. The Tommy Fam Vengeance Tour, but uh, <laughs> at least Tommy Fam is charming. Yeah, and at least Tommy Fam is about like fantasy football and shit. But um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, yeah, I, I that's why I, yeah. I hope no one signs him, and I don't think it would be a good idea for anyone to sign him um, for a lot of reasons, um, on yeah. and off the field. Um, but just the way these things go, you know, I'm usually the optimist, but. Um, and just the way these things typically work is that someone will sign him. And then if he's good again, they'll hand wave away everything and say, we wanted to win. I, I, I was talking about this in the birds court. I think Steve Cohen, I think the Mets are going to sign him because Ugh. Steve Cohen also should be in prison. So, you know, they can <laughs> talk, about you know, that. yeah, they can, they can do that whole thing. And Steve yeah. Cohen can say, Hey, I told you I wanted to win and I'm willing to do anything that's necessary. Yeah. You know, as he like probably steps across the skulls of multiple children to, <laughs> to get to the press box or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so anyway, we're <laughs> the more, the more I learn about Steve Cohen, the more I'm like, did you buy this baseball team so that you could make yourself have friends and make people like you and have Twitter followers? It's, it's so weird. Um, we're going to find out somehow it's a money laundering operation yeah. you know like yeah he's cleaning money with the with the mets yeah yeah with yeah yeah uh yeah jeez yeah um all right <laughs> let's get away from that let's talk about something more fun again here's the update on the fast the uh, free agent scraps big money draft um so to remind you all Nate and I each drafted six players that had not signed yet um, uh, re- uh, sorry, yeah, remaining free agents and whoever has the most guaranteed money by spring training wins. And there's been a lot of action, um, since this has happened. So I'm just going to quickly run down the Nate signings. Uh, Nate has the Phillies signed Craig K- uh, Kimbrell one year, $10 million savvy pick, uh, giants signed Taylor Rogers three years, $33 million. I think that's, that's, that's a big one. A, that's a that's good, a value that's a good one right for there. me. Yeah. Yeah. A, a reliever getting three years is pretty wild. Um, and then you also had the Marlins sign Gene Segura for two years, 17 million. That's actually a little lighter than I expected it to be, but yeah, probably a good deal for the Marlins. Um, and that I was really the- looking for, I was really looking for a little bit more from the Kimbrel. I was thinking one year, 15 yeah. to 18. Yeah. And then Segura, I was thinking maybe 25, but yeah. you know, yeah. Um, we'll see. Nate's total three players signed. He's still got three more to go. $60 million. And Nate still has Profar, Waka, and Mancini. And I would not be surprised if Profar and Waka command some more money than maybe most people might think. Or, or I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Um, yeah. Going down to my team, I only got two guys drafted currently. 
Uh, the Rangers signed Nathan Eovaldi for two years, $34 million. We'll take that all day. Mm-hmm. Um, add some yep. ketchup to it. All, all day. Um, and the Giants... <laughs> The Giants, what a weird offseason the Giants are having. The Giants signed Michael Conforto two years, $36 million, which cannot believe it is like twice as much as what he I thought he would sign for. Um, but here we go. So that my total is 70 million. Nate's current total is 60 million, but we still have most of the players have not been signed. So lots, lots to change, lots to have, lots to happen. Lots. God, a lot to yep. happen. And the more I think about it, the uh, the more I think Brian Anderson might get a minor league invite, not a real deal. So still, <laughs> still, an, still an even match. Um, but I'm in the lead right now. Any any thoughts on any of those signings that are particularly interesting to you? Well, Eovaldi was the first overall pick in this little game we played. Yeah. And so h- him getting a uh, you know a pretty good contract it was not surprising. Um, the Conforto deal. Is yeah. is right now the like the game changer as far as the standings go. I think you're a heavy favorite at this point. You only have yeah. two people out of your six selected, and you're at seventy million. I have three, and uh, though my not my my first overall pick, which is Profar, has not been selected, but still, like I think you're a favorite. I think the Conforto deal is bullshit. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I cannot believe that he got that much money. I was looking for a little bit more from Kimbrel and Segura, as I said, but not bad deals. Like, and I obviously the Taylor Rogers deal is more than we were expecting. So for sure, there's, there's some balance there, but I can't believe that Conforto after missing what, like two years, basically got 18 average. It's, yeah. it's wild. He must look real good in camp. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, only thing I'll add is, you know, I wanted the Cardinals to go after Taylor Rogers. I don't think I would have been happy if the Cardinals did three years, thirty-three million for Taylor Rogers. He had an up and down last year. I like his peripherals. He's got a great uh, velo and and left lefty and got some good stuff. But throwing thirty-three million at a reliever is a little spooky to me. Um, I do like yeah. that he's going to be playing with his brother. Um, so that'll be fun all uh, next couple of summers. Um, and the other thing I wanted to c- talk about is like just how the Rangers have kind of gone about their offseason. They like we kind of make fun of the Cardinals for uh, wishing for the best possible outcome. But the Rangers have like turned this into a way to build a team by their uh, rotation, yeah. like their their rotation. Who do we got? We got Ivaldi, uh, of course, Jake, to, uh, Jacob deGrom. Um Odorizzi, oh Odorizzi, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting Heaney. Else. He, yeah, and in Heaney, those are the three that I'm thinking of. Like high, high variability. There is a chance that Ivaldi, Degrom, and Heaney total for like 35 innings this year, or <laughs> they're one of the more solid one, two, threes in Major League Baseball. Uh, so I don't know. Good for them. I, I like the high variability play. They kind of have to to be competitive in their division, and I. Say good for them. Let's see what I, I'll I'll be excited to see, you know, or watch Rangers games this year, which is something a while. I haven't been able to say for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, not since the 2011 era. Beltre, you know, yeah, back, like yeah, back to back World Series trips for the Rangers. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I'm excited for them. I I hope we get some good outcomes. Um, I appreciate the way they've been going about their rebuild. Just buy a whole new rotation. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, and l- with last year with Correa or sorry, Seager and Simeon, um, you know, they've 
uh Adolis is is crushing it down there like there's yeah. they're a fun team and it could click and they could i you know maybe they make a run at the Astros I don't know with with the Grom it'd be so great if they can if they can get in the playoffs you know I mean it could work that's really what it comes down to. If I like DeGrom is one of the few players in baseball that if you make it to the playoffs, he changes everything. Um, he might be the only player in baseball. There may, there's, I'm sure yeah, there's somebody else you're thinking of. You get into the three game set with him, just have him pitch all three. You know, <laughs> yeah. like who are we kidding? That's right? worth the contract. Like, you know, one, yeah. one deep playoff run. Yeah. That's, that's all you really need. Yeah. So come on, Bob Gibson would have done it. There we go. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's wrap up this episode. We're going to play uh, a little game here. Um, this is a classic. It's a standard. We all know and love it. Ben has struggled a little bit lately at it. We'll see how he does. We're returning to our favorite. Who is this guy? Uh, okay. Okay. So I don't do even remember who handed me my ass the last time. It was. Uh, well, let me tell you. Yeah. It was it was um, bad it, though. It was I felt bad about it. It was myself. bad. You should have gotten it. You've you've gotten it wrong two two games in a row. The last one was Skip Schumacher. Oh, that one pissed who, me off. Yeah, who who we had talked about earlier in the episode. Yeah, at length. Uh, and then before that, this one's a little more understandable. Uh, Royce Clayton. Yeah, yeah, that one yeah. I didn't feel so bad about, but the Skip yeah. one really hurt. Yeah. So uh, if you're unfamiliar. I have a series of clues about someone who played for the St. Louis Cardinals at the major league level. That it's always going to be someone who played for the Cardinals. Um, now, for how long? It doesn't matter as long as they wore the uniform for at least one game. Yeah. Uh, and the clues start incredibly vague and get increasingly more specific. Ben makes a guess after every clue, uh, and, and we see how this long it is takes your... to get it. If this is your first time listening, I'm a very bad loser. Uh, and I think that's why he <laughs> likes to play these games. So here we are. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm like, a, uh, I'm, I'm a bad loser, but maybe a worse winner. I'm not sure. It's, it's all pretty bad. And I'm a real jigsaw, you know, I'm <laughs> oh <twisted. my> God. <laughs> <laughs> tequila. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, I hate that. I actually laughed at that one. Yes. All right. This player, here's your clue number one, was born on May 21st, 1986 in okay. Goose Creek, South Carolina. South Carolina. Okay, Hong Kong, okay. Goose Creek. All right. Goose Creek, South Carolina. He was born in 86. Correct. Okay, so he is well, like 37, 38, somewhere around there. Goose Creek, Carolina. Played for the Cardinals. Hmm. I'm trying to think of who is. I mean, I want to say Corey Dickerson because I'm 99% sure he is from one of the Carolinas. Don't know if he's that old, though. I think he he's probably like closer to 33 or 34. He's like my age, um, but this person is older. Um, hmm. Goose Creek Kakalaki. Um, mm-hmm. not a baseball hotbed that should help me whittle <laughs> it down, but I, I'm not, no, no one's coming to mind. I'm, I'm just going to take the guess and I'll just say Corey Dickerson just cause I think he's from Carolina. Incorrect. All right. Um, <laughs> really? uh, yeah. Is he even from Carolina? 
I don't know. Uh, let's find out. <laughs> let's, let's find out together. Wow. Um, he he kind of has the. Damn it! Okay, I was I was mixing up my yeah. my southern uh, uh, accents. Okay. Anyways. Yep. All right. Uh, this player had a twelve-year career that saw him play, uh, and not in any specific order: the Nationals, the Orioles, and the Cardinals. National, not in any specific order. Nationals. And Orioles and Cardinals. That may be the order in which his career progressed. It also may not be. I randomized okay. the, the order. There's been a lot of crossover Nationals and Cardinals. There has not been a lot of crossover Cardinals and Orioles. So that is what I'm going to drill down on to. Who is a 38-year-old who has played on the or the Cardinals and the Orioles? Um, hmm. I need to think about this one for a minute. I, I, I am, I'm a casual Orioles fan. Uh, so I feel like that might help me some way, but I'm well, just going to, what they, they are, uh, they are one third of, of talking about birds. They are. We, we they didn't the- really get a lot of talk this year, but maybe they deserve a little bit more. Um, Hmm. No one is coming to mind. I'm guessing this player is not super good if they've played for those teams. Um, <laughs> rough, rough yeah. takedown of the 2019 World Series champions, Washington yeah, Nationals. Yeah, they kind of they had one really good season. That was about it. Um, mm-hmm. Shoot. Nationals, Orioles. Oh man, uh, I, I got nobody. I'm I'm just gonna take a guess with. Oh God, I hate this. Um, damn it, I don't know. Uh, I don't have any right answers, so I'm I'm just gonna say uh, Matt Bowman. Nope, incorrect. All right, interesting guess though. All right. Um, number three, a defensive specialist early in his career, winning two gold gloves. His bat never came around like most thought it would. It just spent a defensive specialist. Um, huh. That is not helpful. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it is. If you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, one, 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 two gold gloves. Yeah. Um, I, I got nothing. Uh, this, this is not correct because he's not from America, but I'm going to say Ronnie Belliard. <laughs> no. All right. So after the first three, the, the clues start to get a little bit more um, specific because you often get it in the first three. So. Yeah. Uh, you haven't recently though, but I also have been trying to pick more like obscure guys. So yeah, I, I'm going to um, guess I, I have a feeling I'm not going to know this person just based on the, no, the three, you the will. three things that you've said. You will. You're probably going to know it after this. We'll see. Many thought he would be the next great catcher after the Orioles selected him fifth oh, overall in the 2007 okay. draft. Yeah. Matt Wieters. There it is. Yeah. All right. 
Matt yeah. Wieters. I guess I don't remember him playing for the Nationals. But yeah, that's yeah. where he went after the Cardinals. I should have just focused on the thing or, that I knew. Wait. Now do I have that right? I randomized it, so I forget what, <laughs> what no, it order was Baltimore, he Washington, and then uh, and then the Cardinals. So yeah, he had two yeah. seasons with the Nationals. Um, That's right. Yeah, 100% yeah, forgot about that. Um, but yeah, Matt Weeders. I liked Matt Weeders. He was fine. Yeah, he did. He did the job. Um, he did the job. Uh, I, I, my last vote was, or my last clue was a member as a member of the Cardinals in 2019 and 2020, he joined a unique and surprisingly large brother brotherhood of Cardinal players named Matt. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so I also you guessed Matt Bowman. So I was like, ah, yeah, <laughs> just a guess. Yeah, that was just, <laughs> yep. um, I also, uh, I think did not realize that he won gold gloves at any point. Um, yeah, I, I like kind right of thought way. he, yeah, I kind of just remember him being kind of a, not a miss, but just like a fine player, never really a good player. But yeah, no, he had some pretty solid defensive seasons right when he came up and then got old quickly as catchers Yeah, 2011 do. and 2012, he won uh, the AL Gold Glove for catcher. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, he got uh, 21, or he got a, uh, he got 1% of the 2012 AL MVP voting as well. Wow. What a monster season he had that year. Yep. (laughs) Hit 249. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for being here. Um, We're getting closer. We're getting closer to the, uh, uh, to pitchers and catchers reporting the most anticlimactic of all baseball milestones, but it's something we are looking forward to. Uh, stay warm out there. Uh, we'll be back next week as always with another episode and until next week, tequila (laughs) extend Tommy Edmund. (laughs) I'm going to wear this joke out like, yeah, super fast. Oh, it's got legs, bro. It's got legs.